Welcome to River of Life Church Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find all sermons and podcasts at our website at goriver.org forward slash media or other streaming platforms. To access all resources, visit us online at goriver.org. Now be equipped and encouraged by today's message. I want you to know something here before we get started, okay, before we get started in this week, in this series, okay, before we get started in this, I want you to know, number one, that I'm going to be sensitive, okay? I'm going to be sensitive to situations um, that, 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 that you might be going through, uh, sensitive topics, those kinds of things, but I believe that the Bible has an answer for everything. And if the world, primarily elementary schools, can talk about the things that we're going to be talking about, I don't know why we can't talk about it. Right? There's no better place to learn about relationships within a church than in a church. Because what the school system is teaching you right now is absolutely wrong and incorrect. Some topics will be PG-13, like today. Okay? Another thing that you have to know, and you have to just trust me on this, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular when I preach. So people say that to me all the time. Dude, did you, why did you, did you know? What? No, 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 no. I'm telling you right now, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I'm not thinking of a situation. I'm not thinking of you and your marriage. I'm not thinking of all the times that maybe some of us have met in an office before. I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm preaching the word of God and letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best. Okay? And so, so this, this, this marriage series that we're going to preach, it's going to be for the next four weeks, and I'm ready to go. You guys ready to go? All right, here we go. How many of you know that marriage can be a blessing? Marriage can be a blessing when it's a blessing. Marriage can also not be a blessing when it's not a blessing. Come on. Amen. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. I'm going to rifle through some verses here. So you can read it on the screen. You can write it down in your notes. Okay, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says this. The man who finds a wife finds a what? treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. A man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Treasure, dun, 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 that is what you are. Who is that? Come on, somebody. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15 says, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. So marriage can be a blessing when it's a blessing. And marriage cannot be a blessing when it's not a blessing. Now, no, 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 no. I know we're talking about wives here today, so let's make it fair. I'm going to read out of, read out of the SBIB version. Okay, today that is the should have been in the Bible version. Okay, so Jake chapter 4 verse 9 says, It's better to step in warm dog doo-doo or to pass a kidney stone than to marry a man who is self-centered and narcissistic jerk. Come on, somebody. All right. <laughs> so marriage can be a blessing when it's a blessing, and it can be a curse when it's a curse. So for the next several weeks, we've got three goals in mind that we're going to do, okay? And we're going to just disperse these all along in our, in our, in our sermons, okay? We're going to talk about being single in a way that honors God. Anybody single here this morning? Okay, everyone raise your hand. Good. Okay, you guys see what's happening right now? You guys maybe talk after church a little bit? Okay, no, I'm just fine. Okay, so being single in a way that honors God. Now, we're going to talk about that next week, okay? So if you're single here today, make sure you come next week. 
All right? We're going to be talking about dating in a way that honors God, because that still happens. I hope you still date, even if you're married. Okay, we're going to be talking about married, being married in a way that honors God. That is our three goals for the next several weeks here as we get into this. So we're going to answer the practical questions in the next weeks on what most people ask. Most people will ask this question, especially if you're single, especially if you're dating, right? You're going to ask this question, how do I find the right person? Let me just encourage you that you probably won't find the right person in a bar somewhere, taking jello shots. If you don't know what that is, just ask somebody young, they'll tell you what that is, okay? Everyone asks the question, where do I find the right person? Do I find it in church? Do I peek over someone's notes to make sure they got the Bible highlighted? Is that the right person that I need to marry, right? Where do I find the right person? But we're gonna answer, instead of asking, how do I find the right person? It's better to ask, how do I become the right person? How do I become the right person? Because you don't attract what you want, come on, you attract what you are. <laughs> you attract what you are. How many of you guys think that's true? Amen. Birds of a feather, they definitely flock together. But of course, that's next week. Okay, not today, but that's next week. Today, we're going to talk about the greater foundation of marriage. And that's my topic today is why some marriages don't work. Write that, name, write that phrase down. Why some marriages don't work. So let's answer the question, what is marriage? What is marriage? How you see marriage shapes how you approach relationships. Amen? How you see marriage shapes how you approach relationships. Many in today's society, in today's world, view marriage as a contract. They view it as a contract. Maybe you can go to church. You can go to church. Hit that slide. You can go to church. And you get married, and you sign a what? Marriage certificate, right? But a lot of people just kind of keep it right there. They, they keep it in the sense of this is the contract. This, I signed it. This is the contract. Or Mary, maybe you got married, or maybe you're getting married by the justice of peace. Okay? So you sign, a, you sign a contract at the courthouse. You sign a contract. This is my end. This, you hold up your end. This is my end. Okay? A lot of people view marriage as a contract. Or maybe you're heading off to Las Vegas just to get married, and you get married by Fat Elvis, right? So, so either which way, you're signing a contract. A lot of people think that you're just signing a contract, and that's what marriage is. This idea of a contractual marriage says you hold up your end of the bargain and I'll hold up my end of the bargain. Okay, you hold up your end of the bargain, I'll hold up my end of the bargain. And according to scripture, marriage is way more than a legal agreement. Way more than a legal agreement. Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six. Let's go there right now together. Matthew chapter 19 Verses four through six. It'll be on the screen, but I want you to look it up in your Bible so you can read it yourself. Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six. That's on page 662. Just plain guys, don't listen to me. Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six. This is what it says. Haven't you read? Now, Jesus, what Jesus is doing, he's answering some people here using scripture, okay? He's using the Old Testament. This is found in Genesis. He's using the Old Testament to answer 
to answer. I think we should just take on the, 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 the example of Jesus when we're answering questions. Start coming up with our own opinion, just go to the word. Right? So Jesus is answering this question with scripture and he's saying, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning of the creator made that, at the beginning, he created them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So, if marriage is just a contract, what's a contract based upon? Well, a contract is based upon mutual distrust. A contract is based upon mutual distrust. For example, you got a contractor for your house. Okay, Kristen and I are dealing with that right now. We, we had an incident in our home where some water kind of came through our kitchen and then went right to our basement, and it was awesome. That was sarcastic. It was not awesome. It happened on New Year's Eve. So we're working with contractors right now. So in this contract that we're signing and we're signing all the legal documents, what you're doing is, is you're protecting your rights. What that does is it limits your responsibility. It limits their responsibility. So there is some drawn, hard drawn lines. And it, what a contract says is if you live up to your terms, I'm in. I'm in. If you live up to your terms, I'm in. But if you don't, I'm out. If you don't, I'm out. How many of you have ever encountered somebody where you signed a contract and they did not live up to what they said they're going to do? Right? What do you do? Hey, you didn't do this, what you said you're going to do. Right? And if they don't make it right, then all of a sudden you find yourself in court. And in that court process, you try to get your rights justified. That's what a contractual marriage does. So you might ask yourself, if marriage is only a piece of paper, then why bother getting married? What's, why bother getting married? Let's just live together. Now, I've been married for Kristen, to, for Kristen, well, really for her too, but I've been married to Kristen I counted it, baby, so I wouldn't get it wrong. 26 years. No, stop that. I'm the man of this house. Yeah, right. <laughs> Been married to Kristen, 25, 26 years. That feels the same. Now, They've been blessed years. Remember, a man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and you're blessed. And they've been blessed years. We've had our moments, but they've been blessed years. So we got married in 1998. And the research shows, according to a Pew Research, between 1990 and 2019, that marriage has actually dropped. The percentage of adults cohabitating has more than doubled in that time frame. Now listen to this, parents. Parents, listen to this. 80% of teenagers expect to cohabitate rather than get married in today's world. 80%. So your teenager or your young adult right now going to college expects, they expect an idea of marriage. They expect an idea of relationship, but with no commitment. 
We'll just cohabitate together. And to be honest with you, I don't blame them. Sounds like a good plan to me if you ask me. What happens in the cohabitation? Well, you split responsibilities. You enjoy all the benefits. You split the bills. You pay this, I pay that, right? All of a sudden, you start sharing Netflix accounts, which you probably already do that first, right? You split the chores, right? You clean the dishes. I'll do this with no really mutual commitment to one another. You share the bed together with no commitment to one another. And the problem is this, that cohabitation decreases the odds of relational success. The reason why it doesn't work, and the reason why it doesn't work well, researchers, according to that same Pew research, call it the cohabitation inertia effect. That means that nothing changes effect. Instead of deciding to be commitment, what that says is you're sliding into commitment. So for example, this looks like this. You cohabitate together. You slide in to moving together. Then you slide in to sharing your Netflix accounts. I'm using that for fun, okay? Then you slide in. Before you know it, you have that conversation like, let's get a puppy. And then you come over with a puppy, right? So you slide in to having a puppy. And before you know it, you're sliding in to having a child together with that person. See, but if you don't know this already, when you slide into something, it's easy for you to slide right back out. The issue is you become fully entangled, but not fully committed. You've got all this stuff, right? But you're not fully committed to one another. What is that? And that does this. It increases the pressure in your life and in your relationships, and it decreases the odds of success in relationships. But let's say you're not moving in together, but let's just say you, hey, uh, can I get a drawer at your house and I'll just bring some clothes over? Right? Or, or he goes, you know what, why don't you just take my parking spot at the house? Right, or you get the key. Essentially, with that idea, what you're doing is you're playing marriage. You're playing marriage, right? You're playing house, so that means you're playing marriage. Yeah, you know, we, with no commitment, right? And then what usually happens, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but what usually happens is you break up. This isn't working anymore. I'm taking my drawer back, right? I need my toothbrush, I need my toothpaste, I need my, I need my shaving stuff, this isn't working anymore. I don't like your kids. You don't like mine. We're done. This is over. And what happens a lot of the times in that idea is that you practice divorce. Married, practice marriage, practice divorce. And the cycle continues in your life. And then you wonder why all your relationships are all messed up. It's only because we have this cycle going on in our life. And let me tell you, and let me encourage you with something. Right, let me encourage you with something. Somewhere down the road, the cycle has to end. The cycle has to stop. It doesn't start with them, it starts with you. And this could be one of the reasons why most marriages don't work today. Now hear me when I say this. This isn't meant to be judgmental at all. Please don't misunderstand me. But how you see marriage profoundly shapes how you see relationships profoundly shapes how you see relationships. Now, a Christian marriage is not based on contract, 
but on a very holy covenant before the Lord. Amen? A very holy covenant before God. While the contract is based on mutual distress, covenant is based on mutual commitment before a holy God. A covenant is based on mutual commitment before God. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word covenant is the word bereath. Write that down. Is the word bereath. B-E-R-I-T-H. Bereath. Bereath means a cutting, a shedding of blood, if you will. It means a shedding of blood. Right? That's why you see in the Old Testament, the covenant they made for the forgiveness of sins was what? A shedding of blood. Amen? That's why you see in the New Testament, the covenant made between us and God was Jesus, the mediator, and he had to what? Shed his blood. He made a covenant with us. Now, this is where it's going to get PG-13, kind of, because I'm comparing this to what they're teaching in schools now, but this is where it might get a little PG-13 for some if you've got innocent kids. In an Old Testament Hebrew wedding, after they said their vows, they would go into what they call a huppa. C-H-U-P-P-A-H, a huppa. That's what it was called. I like to say huppa, huppa, you know what I mean? <laughs> Call it a huppa. This is where the two virgins who just got married will go into the bridal chamber and consummate their marriage. Okay? There would be a shedding of blood. Be a covenant. And I'm telling you right now, I feel absolutely weird saying this, but I'm gonna say it because it's really important that you understand what this means. It's hard for me to say this in the room, but that virgin couple who are not virgins anymore consummated their marriage. They would place a, the whitest cloth under them so when they consummated the marriage, there would be a shedding of blood. And then, this is where it gets weird, they would take that cloth, wave it outside of the bridal chamber to the guests in the party that were there, and they would say, we have become one. Let no man separate. And then the party would get even louder and they would all party together. They would cheer, yeah! I think we should go back to Old Testament days. No, I'm just fine, we shouldn't do that. But, but that's what happened. And they would say, the two, the, the, the party then would say, the two, the two have become one flesh. And then they would shout together, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. So speaking of sex, since you brought it up, it's been said that men think of sex every seven seconds. If you do the math, that would be 514 times an hour. Now, for some of you guys, you're like, that yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you got it, partner. Right? But in reality, in reality, a well-respected study shows that men think about sex 19 times a day. And women think about sex, how much you, 10 times a day. It's pretty good odds. So what else are women thinking about? Well, according to this study, women think about food 15 times a day. 
Huppa, huppa. So think about this. Women think about food more than they think about sex. Men think about sex more than women think about food. Which raises the very important question if you're asking yourself, how do we live with sexual integrity in a culture of sexual brokenness? So here's what we know. Well, let me just say this. I would say how you see marriage shapes how you approach sex. How you see marriage shapes how you approach relationships, but how you see marriage shapes how you approach sex. So here's what we do know about marriage. A Christian marriage is a covenant between man and woman for life. Hebrews chapter 13, verse four says this, marriage should be honored by all. I'm reading the paraphrased version. Marriage should be honored by all. So if you're not married, you should honor the covenant of marriage. Come on, somebody. If you are married, you should honor the covenant of marriage. Why? Because marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed should be kept pure and undefiled. Now, I know what I'm saying is bold. Especially in today's society. Where it's do what you want. Whatever makes you happy. Let me tell you, if you are single here today and you're engaging in sexual acts before your marriage, you might want to rethink what you're doing. Better yet, instead of you rethinking it, because you could talk yourself into that, why don't you bring it before the Lord and say, God, what do you think about what I'm doing? And let him answer that question for you. Scripture teaches us that we should honor sex because of its holiness, and sex should only happen within the confines of marriage. So, you might be saying, yo, whoa, that doesn't give me a whole lot of options. So let's just say you're dating, you're engaged, right? This is something that I thought about all the time when I was dating Kristen, or I'll use the Christian phrase, courting her. I always thought, what can I get away with? Huh. How far can I get to the line before I actually cross the line? Right? Without being two young people, I think we met when I was 21 years old and you were 20, 19. Right? Stuff's going on, right? So you had to have some discipline and some self-discipline within yourself. And especially with God, because the fruit of the Spirit, remember, there's still self-control in that. So I always thought to myself, what can I do to get to the line without really crossing it? And if you go to the Scripture, which we always should go, right? And, and, and if we really want to honor God with our decisions, you'll see that the list is extremely short. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. But among you, there must not even be a hint, someone say hint, a hint, say it with me again, a hint of sexual immorality. There shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality. So what's this mean? If you're married here today and you're committing adultery, stop it. Stop it. You're ruining your marriage right now. You have the best thing sitting right next to you. Oh, but wait, Jesus even takes it a step further. 
He says, if you think upon a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Stop it. You're better than that. Why? Because the spirit of God, the holy one of Jesus Christ lives inside of you. Let that be the temple of his presence over your life. But if you're engaging right now in sexual acts outside of the confines of marriage, you need to get right with Jesus, come back and repent to him. He'll always love you. He'll always accept you. He'll always receive you. But wait, there's something else different about that. If you're engaging in emotional adultery with somebody at work, you need to stop that too. I'm not doing anything, no, but the person you're going to at work or at the gym or whatever the case is, is fulfilling a need in your life that your wife or your husband should be doing that for you. And what you're doing is before God, you're creating a tie, a soul tie, a soul tie that will be hard to break. And when you create those soul ties, the enemy has free will all over your life. And what's the enemy do? His fingerprints steal kill and destroy. Why do you think that most marriages will end in divorce? Why? It's because the enemy hates marriage because it's the perfect depiction of Christ in his church. Stop it. Premarital sex. Sex is only exclusive to marriage because it's not just an act. It's holy. Remember, animals can have sex. Humans, they have connection. Maybe the hint of sexual morality could mean this. Maybe it could mean fooling around while you're dating. Well, it's not that bad. Oh, you know, it's not that bad. I don't know. Your Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, not even a hint of sexual immorality. Maybe, I mean, just, just stop and consider and just ask the Lord, maybe, maybe it's sexual jokes. Maybe it's that. You're thinking to yourself, man, pastor, does that mean you're perfect? Absolutely not. You know what this means? You know what this means? It means that we need Jesus. That's what it means, <laughs> It means that we need Jesus. We need him to be the center if we're married. We need him to be the center if we are engaged. And we need him to be the center if we're just dating. Or we need him to be in the center if we're single. If we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. We need him. We need to be in a relationship with him. With him. The world is dying to find good, effective, loving, caring marriages. They're looking to us as the church. They want what we have. Let's promote a Jesus that people want. You might say, you might say, dang, I can't do anything. That God, oof. He's such a prude. It's kind of an old word, isn't it? Prude. Mm. Or maybe you're sitting there with yourself going, no one can tell me what I can and can't do. <laughs> Instead of prude, now you're pride. Such a prude. I want you to know, nope. Someone go, mm-mm, nope. God's not a prude. 
As a matter of fact, God is pro-sex. <gasps> I said it. God is pro-sex. God created sex. Now listen to me. If the world can talk about this, the church better be talking about it. God created sex. Proverbs chapter five, verse 19 says, may her breast satisfy you always. Yeah, that's in the Bible, guys. Use that one on your wife. Song of Songs, chapter seven, verse eight says, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. You use your imagination with that one. The problem in the church, listen to me, is we can make sex seem bad. We make it seem bad. It's funny, my son, Caleb, who's 23, going to be 24 this year, he's a youth pastor in Alabama. And he's now teaching parents how to deal with their teenagers in sexual culture, right? And so we've been having conversations with him. We've been kind of walking him through on what to say, how to say it, what not to say, those kinds of things. And he said to us, to Kristen and I, which is really great, he said, it is so amazing to, he said, Dad, he said, Dad, it's so amazing to me that I talk to their parents of these kids and now in today's world, and they never talk to their children about sex, ever. It's like everything's a surprise to them. <gasps> My child would never say that. I want you to know, if you think that your child would never think that or say that, they're thinking it and saying it. Don't be naive. Your kids aren't that great. I'm offended you say that. Well, I'm just speaking from experience. I was gonna say, raise your hand if you think your kids aren't great. Don't do that. And he says, Dad, Mom, thank you for talking about sex in the house because I knew how to deal with it in a healthy way when I got older. <laughs> Parents, your kids need to learn from you about what holy sex is, what it means to hold that dear to their heart. Don't shy away from those conversations. And they're not too young. It's called building a culture in your home where you have those open and honest conversations with your kids. You have to. Because if you don't, someone else will. And wouldn't you rather have it to where you're the one taking the lead on that conversation? But the church has done a bad job of saying sex is bad. We say things like this, don't have sex. Don't do it. Don't you dare. He'll be mad at you. The church is really good at saying, no, 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 no. But what we're saying today, especially if you're single, is wait, wait, wait. Just wait. I think back in the early 90s, and if you're around this time, you'll know what this means. Maybe you will. But there used to be a store called Hot Topics. And is there still one? Okay. And there used to be a pair of boxers in there that said, they're glow in the dark boxes, okay? <laughs> All around it, they said, no, 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 no. But then when you turn the light off, it said, yes, 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 yes. Kristen, I'm telling you my Valentine's gift right now. 
like those, please. <laughs> Man, I hope my kids watch this. You see, God's not a prude. He's holy. Sex is holy. And he loves you so much that he knows if you just wait, there's something great for you on the other side of marriage. And listen, if you're married, remember, sex is still for today. God gives you permission to have it. So I want us to practice something. Husbands, look at your wives right now with that eye and say, God gave us permission, girl, let's go. So where are we today as I close? Maybe you're not in a relationship. Maybe you're single. Can you make a commitment to holiness? Make a commitment to holiness before waking love, before it's time. That scripture is found in the book of Proverbs. Don't wake love before it's time. Solomon was telling his son, don't wake love before it's time. Trust me, Solomon would know out of anybody. Don't wake love before it's time. So maybe you're single. Can you make a commitment to just wait and let God unfold the people in your lives that he's gonna bring to you. Don't rush into something you're not supposed to be into. Or maybe you're dating and you're dating somebody that doesn't love God. Or maybe that relationship isn't God honoring. Maybe that relationship isn't God honoring. Look, how you view relationships, how you view marriage is how you view relationships. How you view marriage is how you view sex. How you view marriage is how you're gonna view your future. And you're in a relationship right now that's not God honoring, maybe it's time to make a change. I'm not saying I'm leaving you. No, no. Maybe it's just time to hit pause and get things right with you, right? Because you need to be the right person, not they need to be the right person. Maybe you're cohabiting this morning. Consider, just consider, bring in, bring to God, consider. God, what do you want us to do with this relationship? More than likely, God will say, get married, it's time. Now, I'm gonna end with this. God's standards are high, amen? God's standards are high. But his blessings are worth it. His blessings are worth it. How you see marriage shapes how you approach relationships. So let's pray. Wasn't that good? Yeah. Father, we just honor you today. God, we thank you. I'm gonna ask the ministry team to come forward. Why don't we go ahead and all stand here this morning? <clears throat> Father, I just ask that in our singleness, if we're single here today, and we're not dating anybody, but we're actively pursuing, God, I just pray that you would help us to continue to remain holy in our lifestyle, to honor you, not because you'll be mad at us, but because we love you and you love us. Father, I just pray that if we're married, help us in our, help us in our vows that we spoke to one another on that day. 
Help us to remain pure, to remain holy. And when the enemy comes and tries to tempt us, tries to tempt us, that Jesus, you give us strength to overcome that temptation because it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Everybody had heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm just gonna ask one question here this morning. Is there anybody here this morning that says, you know what, I need Jesus for the first time? I've never, I've never committed my life to him and I wanna do that right now. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. If that's you, thank you. There's one, anybody else? Says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you so much for your honesty. I really appreciate it. Anybody else? Says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me. Awesome. Can we give it up for the one? It's all that matters. So I'm gonna pray with you right now. And then my wife's gonna close this out and say something here. But um, if you can, let's everyone pray this together, especially if you raise your hand. Can you just say, Father, forgive me my sin come into my life. Today, I commit everything that I am to you, Jesus. Help me to love you like you love me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me just as I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up one more time for that person. Um, I just really felt, um, and I don't do this often, but I felt as the mom of the house that the Lord wants me to pray something over some soul ties that have been made. It's a real thing, guys. No matter what age, you could be six or seven and lies have been spoken and that you're holding on to them. From that time, and you might be 71 and that still is something there. And I'm just gonna pray a prayer And if that's something the Lord kind of brings up front, we've got the prayer team up front. I want you to come and ask them to pray with you. Because the next four weeks, the Lord's gonna be bringing stuff to the surface as you lean into him on marriages and relationships because he's in a relationship with you as well. He's your heavenly father and he loves you and he's gonna teach us. So Father, we just thank you. And your banner over us is love. And I just pray over these ties that have been made, not even knowing it and knowing it, that Father, I just pray and speak the truth right now that you have gone to the cross to set us free and that those ties have been made, that it's a lie that it is forever because you have broken those bondages. And we say yes to truth and that you can heal those wounds and you can separate those things that have been there and have been harboring hurt and harboring um, just the wrong thinking and the wrong pathway. Lord, we just open up to you and that you have freedom to deal with us in our hearts. And if that's you, I want you to just be able to speak that to, to Father and just say, come and deal with me. My heart, mind, will, and emotion that those soul ties, only ones I want are ones you want for me, Jesus. Father, I just pray that you just bring the Bible to life as they're in it this week. And as they lay down their heads on their pillows at night, that you speak to them in their dreams. And that truth is going to be a freedom setter the next four weeks. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Thank you for joining us here at River of Life today. If you haven't um, been able to connect with any of our host team, they will be out there waiting for you. If you're new, we have connect cards in the seats in front of you. But bless you, and we'll see you later.